Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Vittles and Vitals podcast, where we talk about important stuff and how that stuff connects to food, because everything connects to food. I'm Jay Reed. I'm the father. And I'm Jacob Reed, the son, and we're your hosts. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to come forward a little bit. We had some tough technical, dic- wow, technical difficulties <laughs> I think in we're the having studio. <laughs> Yeah, we're having just a couple. So if dad's quality is not as good as it typically is, that's why. But, you know, you got to put out the content for our fans. The show must go on. You know, break a leg, but in our case, break a microphone. (laughs) So, dad, this week we are talking about the entirety of geekdom or geek culture. There are podcasts that have dedicated their entire theme to understanding just a small part and we're going to try to tackle the whole kitten caboodle in 30 minutes of that's intense i don't know it seems kind of nuts but starting us off what is the difference between a geek and a nerd because i think you're kind of an expert on that that's right well one of the podcasts that you mentioned we uh that i also am one of the co-hosts of is guys of a certain age and we we're just a bunch of old guys that are geeks And uh, But one of the first things we did was look into what was geek and what was nerd. And because those words are kind of used interchangeably in some cases, Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily the same thing. So this is what BigThink.com says, and they define geek as an enthusiast of a particular topic or field. Geeks are collection-oriented, gathering facts and mementos related to their subject of interest. They're obsessed with the newest, the newest, coolest trendiest things their subject has to offer nerd on the other hand is a studious intellectual again of a particular topic or field their achievement oriented focus their efforts on acquiring knowledge and skill over trivia and memorabilia and then it's kind of what kind of capsulated from slack propagation um another website both are dedicated to their subjects and sometimes socially awkward oops the distinction is that geeks are fans of their subjects and nerds are practitioners of them. And a good example of this, I did an interview um, with one of my favorite bakers um, that was put out, gosh, a few months ago. Yeah, I and, that. Right, so we talked about this in, in that context. And so when it comes to baking and food, I'm more of the geek, somebody that is a big fan of all things food. She is a nerd because she's a practitioner. She actually knows how to bake. And, and how to do that stuff. So that's just one example. But I know you'll probably be able to testify that we, if you go back to our collection episode and talk about uh, all the collections that were above our heads here in the studio, uh, in the home studio, um, I'm definitely a collector of memorabilia. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt in that. So, I mean, looking at those definitions, it seems like there's a lot more geeks in the world than I would say maybe nerds in the world. Um, Because I'm trying to right now figure out, you know, with me specifically with Star Wars, and we'll talk more about the cultural impact Star Wars and everything. I'm trying to figure out if I'm more of a geek or a nerd. Because like, go ahead, go ahead. Because I mean, I I know a lot of the lore. I've seen all the TV shows. I've read a lot of the the books outside. I've read the comics. I know what's Legends and what's canon now. So I'm trying to figure out 
do, do I qualify as a nerd in that case? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you would in that case. And, and let's just also say that there's some overlap. There's not mm-hmm. going to be exclusive geek, exclusive nerd. And But from what you just described, I would even put myself on the other side. I love all things Star Wars. I love to watch it. I think it's all cool. You know, I was trying to watch a Mandalorian as soon as it came out. Some, yeah. Um, some days up, and when when on the final episode, I watched it like the morning it it was dropped. But I don't know all that canon stuff like you do. I haven't read the books. I haven't gotten you know deep in the weeds on that. So I would say you you are more on the nerd side. I'm more on the geek side of that. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, since we're kind of on the topic of Star Wars, you know, we look at the the whole discussion of what makes something vital and everything. And you look at this and like, is geek really something to be vital? Um, But I mean, if you go where the money goes, it seems like it's pretty, pretty important in a lot of people's lives. Absolutely. And I think it's become more mainstream too. And we'll maybe get a little bit more into that later, but you know, it used to be, if you think about a geek or a nerd, it was like, you know, some, some young adult or hopefully young adult <laughs> in, you know, living in their mother's basement, playing video games, you know, with a, you know, a heavy metal t-shirt on. That's the kind of the visual picture you had. And I'm not judging anybody if you're doing that, but yeah. the idea, you know, that was just kind of the picture. Well, now it's, it's a big, it's a big industry. It's big money. Even your, like when you think of Marvel and all the big stars that have taken on Marvel roles and with, and I mean, it's not just Marvel, it's DC, it's Star Wars, where I think at one point in time, they might have been worried that they've been pigeonholed into a superhero status kind of a role. But now it's like, it's sort of almost like a badge of honor to be the superhero or mm-hmm. you know, somehow involved. Yeah, no, I, for sure. I saw this thing about uh, Paul Bentley the other day, and he... And, you know, this is off the Internet. Take it with a grain of salt. But apparently um, he was kind of worried about, you know, his career kind of, you know, going downhill. You know, maybe, you know, his career is kind of done. Apparently, right before he got the role for Vision, he was told by like a like a film executive that his career was done. And then he like goes out. He's about to cry because, you know, his career is done (laughs) and he gets a call from i think kevin feige saying like hey you've been cast as vision nice and it's like i literally just watched the wandavision show and that thing's wild it's wild i don't understand it but it was i don't cool. understand it either but i'm, I'm i don't super think we're to yet <laughs> and that's not our podcast but i mean but you think about it like paul bentley has you know he's not only vision he's jarvis like i mean he's played some really, really cool goal or not cool goals, cool roles. And like, he's making some pretty nice change now. Oh yeah. So. And there's another story. I saw an interview with him and uh, he was talking about how he wanted to, he always loved the star Wars movies and somebody called and said, Hey, would you like to be so-and-so on, you know, in the, in the, in the most recent movie, I believe. And so he's got a star Wars role too. So, I mean, he, he's got it all. I actually have to look this up while we're talking about this. I didn't know the part about him, you know, being told his career was done because I, I thought he thought he was a great actor. But and Paul Bettany, right? You said Paul Bettany, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah, Paul Bettany. He's in Solo. I forgot about that. 
So yeah, he I mean he's in two incredibly large franchises. And when we say incredibly large, um <laughs> I mean How large is it? I know. I mean, just Star Wars itself, the movies have made nine point four billion dollars. That's about five hundred and fifty million dollars per movie. And it's overall valued at seventy billion dollars. So what was when Disney bought it? Do you know was that the figure? Was it seventy billion when Disney bought it from Lucas? No, I think it's probably worth more uh than it was. Because I mean they released a couple Disney pay for Star Wars. According to the internet, it was four billion dollars to buy Star Wars. Nice. And there I'm I'm there there's no telling how much they made since then. Well, I mean, just look at uh, Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Like, so many people went to Disney World just for Galaxy Edge, and they're shelling out $200 to build a lightsaber. <laughs> I know this because one of my best friends did it. Oh, yeah? So this is, a, I guess, I'm guessing is a different kind of building a lightsaber. Because didn't you do that when we were down there once before there was Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I think we still have it somewhere. No, this oh, one is. You, do you remember when you would go into a Barnes and Noble and they had like those display quality ones? You know, has like a real metal handle and everything. I'm gonna say yes. I think that's what you make. I think you because it. I mean, you literally go into a shop and like are led by actors and stuff in building a lightsaber. So I think it's like a really fun experience. Yeah, and, I, and I that's think- one thing that I noticed, you know, when I was listing all the different things that that made this past decade such a geek culture moment in in history is, is that what is that thing? You know, there's um, I mean, for Disney to invest in a whole other land, I mean, it's it's part of a park. It's part of Hollywood Studios. They had to build a whole mm-hmm. other park, but they built a whole another section. It's like Fantasyland or Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom to mm-hmm. just for this this one genre it's huge mm-hmm. i'm honestly kind of surprised that they haven't done anything like that for marvel yet but maybe that's on the that's probably coming i mean they did it with avatar too which is kind of you wouldn't think like that would be a movie that they would build a land to but i mean that is a sci-fi movie that is kind of its own genre and it's got a Disney World land part as well. So, like, I mean. Yeah, so that just illustrates. There's, It's not just the movies. It's not just the merchandise. It's parks. It's, I mean, I even looked at, like, Comic-Con. Comic-Con mm. used to, I, mean, I don't know how long Comic-Con's been going on, but in the, uh-huh. last, in the last five or ten years, it's just become huge. And you have all these, not just comic book, not just superhero stuff, but anything in this whole geek nerd culture is there. Um, I mean, you have stuff like, um, like our friend Solomon would go to the, what's the name of the show? Uh, uh, Walker, Walker, Walker stalker. Yeah. So <clears throat> stuff like that, that just, you know, they're, they're selling out huge convention centers and part of that, um, uh, part of comic con weren't cheap. No, I'm sure they weren't. And I mean, he's flying across the country practically to go to this. And other people are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars in costumes to be cosplayers at Comic-Con and other places. I was reading about one particular one who makes six figures just Mm -hmm. being a cosplayer. And I don't know how she makes money and all that, how that happens, but, but she was, uh, 
estimating that costumes cost anywhere between like two hundred to two thousand dollars, and even more depending on how elaborate the costumes are. That's wild. And I mean, you see some of these cosplayers, and you're it's insane what they can do, and it's actually really impressive. And the how- and the and the uh, professional ones don't just have one character either. No. Look at their Instagram. They've got, you know, there's just dozens and dozens. They may have a, uh, a specific sort of thing that they focus on. but Yeah, a lot of them have like, you know, I do two or three characters really, really well. And mm-hmm. then some of them are more fun one. Uh, and I mean, going kind of back to it, you know, Marvel is such a huge thing that they built an entire, I don't know, 30 something film universe. Mm-hmm. that sells out i mean endgame made a billion dollars at the box office <laughs> and just marvel merchandise itself brought in approximately 41 billion dollars which is more than all the movies combined so like the movies are not even the biggest seller for them it's the merch you can get around the movie right so. well if you look at star wars merch from from the time i mean there's you could, there's a whole nother episode there and in, in how the star wars original movie didn't have merchandise ready when the Mm -hmm. movie came out because they didn't expect it to be as big as it was going to be. But now, I mean, those figurines like, like that you, like my brother and I have the, the, or some of the original figures. And, you know, of course we'd have kept them in the box and hadn't played with them. They'd be worth a whole lot of money, but we still Mm -hmm. have the figures. We still have all the, a lot of the original stuff. I mean, it's crazy. I know. I'm sure <laughs> another reason they're not going to be worth that much. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff that I found out, you know, video games have become, you know, that used to be an exclusively kind of geek and nerd thing. Uh, there's a game called Minecraft. Mm-hmm. You build things with blocks. It has over 200 million sales. And, you know, if any kid is under the age of 12, they're probably wearing Minecraft merch. I've seen it around. You've seen it around. I've played Minecraft. I've purchased it. It's a fun game. But, you know, it just kind of points that, like, video games are becoming a thing that so many more people um, play. I saw this tweet from at my Opic Mint. So I don't know who this person is. I saw it via thing, and it said, I, for one, am glad that nerd culture has become mainstream because the merch has become wildly available and improved immensely. I'm sure that's true. Well, you can even get stuff. I mean, our our JCPenney has since closed, but but you could go to even just a JCPenney and get a Captain America T-shirt or a Hulk mm-hmm. T-shirt or, or whatever, Star Wars, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's, it's fashionable. And it's not just, I mean, think about like Hallmark. Every year Hallmark has ornaments that, you know, uh, an array of Harry Potter, an array of Marvel, an array of, even DC, probably I haven't looked that closely. There's but, some DC. I got those really cool star, uh, star Wars wings yeah. and Tie Fighters. Yeah, I mean that's that's Hallmark, and then you've got Legos. You can buy a kit in just about every. Uh, I mean Lego Movie, the Lego mm-hmm. Batman Movie. I mean all the characters in there. Action figures still sell. Um, I think one of the biggest things that shows we're in the midst of something huge is Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, they made a whole streaming network thinking, okay, we've got all the classic Disney. We're going to have Star Wars. We're going to have Marvel. Um, And at first I thought, well, is that enough? But I think it is. It's proving to be. Mandalorian was the most pirated show show of 2020. 
the most pirated. Is that what you said? The most pirated show of 2020. <laughs> so you got that, and now DC Universe was a streaming service. Now has shifted most everything over to HBO Max, and so you've got the HBO Max with all the DC stuff, and one like Wonder Woman. You know that that whole thing about showing the theater movies mm-hmm. in on HBO Max now. I mean, that's a huge thing. So it's just yeah. it goes on and on and on. I mean, um, superhero movies are winning Oscars. Right, right. I mean, look at Black Panther at all the different steps that Black Panther took, all mm-hmm. the the first that that yeah. was about. And even I was, you know, I talked about guys living in their parents' basements playing video games. Look at all the female leads now. I mean, that's expanding as well. Yeah. Like, you got Black Widow. Everybody's, everybody's waiting for Wonder Woman. We saw Wonder Woman. Now we're waiting for Black Widow. Uh, yeah. Again, Black Panther, lots of strong female characters in that. We got She Hulk coming. You've got Batgirl, Supergirl, um, tons, uh, Captain America. I mean, mm-hmm. all these female characters coming out now. And I mean, it's just, there's no limit. It's, yeah. And now we get to the deepest geek culture you possibly can get into. It is the Devil's Game. The game in the 70s sent <laughs> you straight to hell. It's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I have found that there are 13.7 million active players of D&D in our world today. And that includes yours tor- truly and my wife. That's right. I DM'd a game today as of this recording. And my wife played an elf bard. And she's willing to play again. She actually enjoyed it. So an elf bard is like a singing elf? A singing elf. She she used a spell called Vicious Mockery and insulted a goblin so much that it died. <laughs> True story. She called it a Cheeto. She called it a Cheeto face. And <laughs> the goblin like died. So in the Dungeons and Dragons, they knew what a Cheeto was. That's that's that, that's why he, died. He, didn't, he didn't know what a Cheeto was. That's why he died. He couldn't comprehend what a Cheeto was. Oh wow. And he also took damage. So that's pretty intense. Well, yeah, that was something that my friends played when I was well, much younger than you are now, but um, I never got into it. And I think it was kind of like buying Kiss albums. My parents would let me listen to Kiss albums other places, but not buy one. And now I don't think they let me play D&D either. But wasn't I a great parent to let you play it? Or was I a bad parent? Well, I didn't play it until college. So, Oh, so I was just was, an absent parent. It was my, it was my rebellious face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so kind of steering into you know the next part of that is that geek culture has not even just stayed at you know this big screen or the gaming table it has moved to the kitchen table nerds because, gotta you know, eat well i was gonna say i play D on my kitchen table but also nerds gotta eat as well and it's been truly amazing you know you just search geek recipes and you just get treasure troves of websites of oh, yeah. different recipes. I found one called the gluttonous geek and she had recipes for things such as Mrs. Beaver's gloriously stick marmalade roll from Chronicles of Narnia, which is not a place I would expect a recipe from oh. uh, John Snow's seared pork with beer gravy, Captain American, Captain, Oh, Captain America, apple pie with Dorito hazelnut strutzel. I think she was going for the, like the all American boy um, thing so. with that. Yeah, I'm surprised. There's probably a recipe for shawarma somewhere because you know all the Avengers go to eat shawarma. 
Mm -hmm. Did you know, this is a fun fact for you, this scene, that scene was filmed like months after they finished the rest of the film and um, Chris Evans had to wear prosthetics because he had to grow out a beard for another role. (laughs) I did not know that. It took him like six hours of prosthetics for like a three minute scene. And it was worth every penny. Everybody loved it. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, and, and you have to be careful though if what we're talking about is food related to geek culture but if you look up geek chef or geek food there's a lot of food geeks recipes like people who geek Mm. out on food what we're talking about are recipes and foods that that come out of that geek culture Mm -hmm. and even then there's two different kinds at least because you can look at like i i found a uh a cookbook called bb8 and it's bb-ate it's a breakfast and brunch Star Wars cookbook, and I, I haven't been able to put my hands on one, so I don't want to, you know, I'm not dissing it, but some of the things in that were, you know, they're cool names, Phasmatic Potato Packets, Luke Sky Waffles, Hans Solote Meal, oh. and ad, my favorite, the Admiral Akbars. That's, so, that's fun. So, that you know, they're, they're cutesy names, and I would love to see this book because apparently in the in the photos, they have the figures. Uh, I don't know if it's Lego minifigs or if it's figurines from the like Mattel stuff, but um, or Kenner. It was Kenner. What? Anyway, whoever it was, mm-hmm. um, the figurines are in the in the picture. So I would like to see it. I think it'd be cool. But I yeah. think most of these are just cleverly named foods with Star Wars emphasis. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Galaxy's Edge and go to the restaurant there you're going to get stuff like the green milk, the blue milk mm-hmm. that I think you've tried before. I made blue milk with some buddies. It was mm-hmm. essentially vanilla hot chocolate or right. hot vanilla milk. It was hot good though. Oh, I'm sure it was great. I mean, but they have stuff like surabot cider, moof juice, ronto wrap, batuan beef pot roast, endorian fried chicken yip tip. So those kind of things that, and in, in the cookbook, there's a cookbook too that came out of that, the galaxy's edge cookbook. And so those are foods like they're actually looking at elements from the stories, Mm -hmm. um, maybe recreating meals. And I think that's what, if you really want to get into it, that's what you're not talking about a cupcake with a Pokemon, you know, in icing, you know, like for a kid's five year birthday party, we're talking about, all right, how do I recreate, something like the blue milk or the green milk mm-hmm. uh, you know you probably don't want it to taste like it would have but yeah but it looks like it it reflects it mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah i have a cookbook actually on my shelf called recipes from the world of tolkien and it's uh not officially licensed by the tolkien estate or harper collins but it's a, a cookbook with recipes inspired by the books with you know they you know, replicate some of the recipes from the books because he talks a lot about food, but it's it's six different meals of the day that it's centered around because the hobbits eat approximately six meals a day. And it's really interesting because every recipe has a reason behind it. One of them that just sticks out is like a scone recipe. And in the thing, it says, this makes 14 scones perfect for 13 dwarves and a burglar. So like, <laughs> all the recipes kind of had a, a point and it, I mean, it goes everywhere from main courses to alcohol. And like one of it's like an orc mead that you can get that you make and stuff like that. Uh, so all those 
are not just cleverly named, but they're actually inspired. They, I think Lemnus bread is one of the, the recipes. So it, they really tried to make food that would fit easily in the whole world, which is pretty much British food. Right, right. Well, I saw, I found a, uh, a website called in at the crossroads.com. And the girl that does that, she's actually participated in writing the star Wars galaxy's edge cookbook, but her, her, her blog and her, um, uh, original cookbook if i'm not mistaken came out of game of thrones and so Mm. she's got a cookbook called a feast of ice and fire and it's pretty interesting how i mean not just game of thrones but other books like that food plays such an important role in the story you know it's not just it's not ignored it's 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 there as a as a character almost and so i mean think about harry potter i mean the chocolate frogs that we talked about this i'm sure in the Harry Potter episode, you can go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so many of the, some like butterbeer. Okay. So you can get butterbeer at Harry Potter world. That's a recreation of an actual um, dish or drink from, you know, from that world. Yeah, so pumpkin that's, juice that's too. Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think when they, well, we've talked about butterbeer. Y'all, y'all go back and listen to the Harry Potter episode when you get back into that. But like in the end of the crossroads, she's got other things too. Now, um, the Mandalorian had, she has a recipe for the blue macarons. And apparently that was a big, uh, I think maybe you were telling me it, John Favreau got really into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very specific and, and just, okay. This Mandalorian, the blue macarons were a big part of that story. Um, in the episode and spoiler alert, um, in the episode with the frog lady, uh, Grogu eating the frog eggs, the baby mm-hmm. frogs was a huge part of that story. So, mm-hmm. I mean, food is not just uh happenstance. It's not just something that they do to pass the time. They it's, it's actually a part of the story. Yeah. I mean, wrapping up the food section before we move on to our favorites, I mean, the easiest way to see all of this is binging with Babish, who's a YouTube, honestly, sensation, where he does nothing but recreate recipes from a show, a movie, to the best of his ability as with as much information as they give. And then he tries to make a better version of it. And I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's built an entire food empire, like cookbooks and millions of views and sponsors and everything just from trying to make the food that people in TV and movies eat. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was him, but I think it was made a cake from the movie. Is it Matilda? And then, there was some kind of cake in, in one of those movies that, that actually had blood in it. And somehow he or somebody like him found a way to make the cake with, I mean, it we didn't have blood, but anyway, some of these recreations hmm. get very serious. Yeah. <laughs> like down to the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. His, his cookbook is eat what you watch. Um, there's a couple of cookbooks called the geeky chef and it's got all this kind of stuff in it. Nerdy nummies cook anime. Uh, the hmm. Wizards Cookbook, Heroes Feast is a D and D cookbook. Maybe y'all need to get that. Although I did it's see the picture, license too. I saw the picture of what your wife uh, did the uh, the charcuterie board that she did for your little party, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was quite uh, quite amazing. Quite elaborate and was delicious. Yeah, that, and then uh, I'm spicy sure honey, that spicy honey mustard that you gave us was on that board. Oh, good. Okay, well I'm glad we love that stuff. See that it was getting getting some use. So there's a Doctor Who. 
cookbook. There's the art of eating through the zombie apocalypse. And those are just a, I mean, just a handful of the things. If you type in geek or anything like geek cookbook in Amazon, you, you get a long, long list. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our bi-weekly drum beat. Actually, that's been a while since we last done this, but Dad, what is your favorite for this episode? All right, I'm going completely uh, kind of off the rails here, but um, this does kind of fit the geek mode because back when I was, I'm going to say junior high age, thereabouts, uh, junior high, early high school, was when Luciano Pavarotti, the famous Italian tenor, uh, operatic tenor, was really becoming famous. And the other day I found, well, you know, I'm still in the uh, Netflix DVD club. So not some time ago, I put the movie Pavarotti in my queue. It came last week and we watched it. Uh, it was a Ron Howard movie. And uh, it just kind of traced the story of his life from his childhood on through his career. And I was thinking through the movie, I realized, I said, I think my parents actually saw Pavarotti. And then by the end of the movie, I realized I saw Pavarotti. <laughs> I was there with them <laughs> when they saw him. So I just, I mean, if you're into that kind of music at all, or if you just appreciate um, excellent music, I recommend this movie. It got some negative reviews, but if you if you enjoy him if you like it it doesn't it doesn't go you know too deep into his some of I mean he was a human being he has some faults it doesn't go terribly deep into him but it doesn't ignore them either but it's mostly focused on his career uh his voice uh some degree his family but it was it was just really enjoyable to to hear that music again cuz i've got some of his CDs and stuff that i listen to once in a while but it's kind of few and far between but that is my favorite for the week, the Pavarotti Ron Howard movie. That's awesome. Paul Pavarotti. That's the name of it. Paul Pavarotti. Probably will never watch it, but good to know. Uh, my favorite for this week is a game called Dominion. So this is a board game, kind of board game. It's more of a card game uh, by Rio Grande Games. It was actually recommended to us by our wedding photographer, um, she's a huge fan, uh, shout out to Laura styles. Um, but she has like a bunch of the expansions as well. Um, but me and Lindsay, were just kind of looking for a game. We were having a date night. We ordered food off Uber eats and we were like, we need to try uh, a game for two. And I looked up and it was dominion was a recommended game for two people. And I was like, I own dominion. So we pulled it out and it's intense. It's basically a game where you're start out as a small country and you want to expand and earn points and you buy cards and you buy gold. It's just kind of a deck building game. So you start out with a really small deck and you end up with a really big deck as you buy things and cards got abilities and stuff. And we love it. Like we have really played a lot of rounds of it. Um, so yeah, Dominion, it's a really fun game. Um, it's a great way to introduce a girl to nerd culture because in the span of like three weeks, Lindsay has watched four Star Wars, five Star Wars. Um, wow. 
She has almost cried uh, in episode three. Uh, she has played a game of D&D, and she has fallen in love with several board games. Wow. So, Impressive. She's, she's, she is the one for me. So, <laughs> Well, I hope you knew that before she embraced the culture. Yeah. But Yes, so I watched Gilmore Girls. Uh, as hey, her. That, that's a good show. That was, I'll save that for a flavor for later. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and think others might enjoy it too, please share, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you found us. And they are legion. You can find us also on the worldwide interweb at Vittle Vital Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Vittles and Vitals Podcast on Facebook. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea of a subject you'd like to hear us cover, shoot us a DM. And remember, if it's vital, look for the Vittles. <laughs>